Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Modern Gnostic. This is episode number 15. I'm Brian Stanford coming at you from Asheville, North Carolina, on this beautiful 4th of July in the year 2020. Strange times are afoot, as I'm sure everyone who listens to Modern Gnostic is aware of, but that's okay because we are Gnostics, and one thing. <laughs> One thing that Gnostics can do really, really good is surf the weirdness, and that's what we're doing here, my friends. Uh, I'm going to, uh, our last episode, episode 14, we dug into the concept of esoteric patriotism, which is something that I've been thinking about a lot for the last, you know, maybe two or three years, only now getting to the point that I'm feeling comfortable uh, speaking about it, and we are going to continue here in episode 15 appropriately on the 4th of July, the day that the Declaration of Independence was signed in 1776. Uh, Today we're going to continue talking about esoteric patriotism. We're going to dig into one of the founding documents of our country, and indeed one of the, um, without exaggeration, one of the most inspiring documents written by man. I'm talking about the Declaration of Independence. So sit back Get you something nice to drink, kick your feet up, get yourself centered in some esoteric patriotism, and join me as we explore the Declaration of Independence. All right, everybody. Today, happy 4th of July in the year 2020. We're going to do some esoteric exploration of the incredible document the Declaration of Independence. Now, if you're like me and you were born in this country and you went to schools, public schools, uh, you you have some vague sense of what the Declaration of Independence is. You've probably heard the beginning of it. Maybe you've read it through one time many, many years ago, haven't thought about it too much in the past. Um, I'm right there with you. I'm in the same boat. I, I know some of the basic things about it, but over Uh, The last couple of years, I've really been looking into this more, and particularly in the last few months and the last few weeks, as as our country seems to be on a track towards more and more chaos, um, I've been feeling a call to re-examine the founding, uh, the the foundations and the roots and the history of our country. Um, One of the reasons that I've been doing this is it seems that the kind of um, dominant narrative, and this is becoming more and more so every day, is that America is basically a bad place, right? Some good things are happened, but all the way to the core, America is this rotten, horrible place that was founded by slave owners, that all of our wealth was built on the back of the exploitation of black people, the theft of the land of native peoples, um, the oppression of women and other minorities, uh, that it's basically a system set up to benefit um, rich or middle-class white men. Uh, And quite frankly, there is a lot of true stuff in that modern critique. There's a lot to be said there. Um, Undoubtedly, slavery is at the uh, is is part of our country from the very beginning. African slaves were brought here, uh, as well as um, quote-unquote white slaves were brought here. Um, there were Indian slaves. There were tribes of Indians on this continent already practicing slavery when we got here. Uh, it's an unfortunate character 
of human civilization worldwide, uh, the institution of slavery. I believe it's almost a universal institution. And the new country of America was not uh, free of the stain of the institution of slavery. Our country, a lot of the land of our country also was uh, taken from the tribes that populated this country prior to the arrival of the Europeans. Again, um, conquest and war is an unfortunate but integral part of human culture and civilization across the board. Um, recently, probably like most of you, been seeing discussions about Mount Rushmore and how Mount Rushmore was built on land taken from the Sioux Indians. Um, and I have to say, I was not surprised to find out that the Sioux Indians had taken that land uh, from a tribe before the Sioux took it, took it from them by war. Um, and then the tribe that the Sioux took it from had taken it from another tribe by war. Uh, this is the course of human history. Uh, conquest, slavery, war, pillaging, this has happened all over the globe. Um, and America and the young country of the United States is not free of any of that. We have a bloody history. We have a history of slavery. We have a history of sexism. We have a history of racial discrimination and oppression. We have all of these things. Our country continues to participate in war and conquest. And this is a, a as far as I can tell, a near human universal. All of it's true but it's not the whole story. There is, I believe, something special about the United States. There is, I believe, something special about the Western culture and the spiritual traditions and philosophical traditions of the Western culture that went into the founding of the United States. And my plan in the next couple of episodes of the podcast is to dig into some of this. And today, we're going to begin by touching upon the Declaration of Independence, which is what we are celebrating today on the 4th of July. We celebrate the, the some people call the birthday of our country. Hopefully, you've had some good barbecue, hanging out with your friends and your family, even though it's COVID. Hopefully, you're doing it responsibly. Um, if you're like me, I live kind of out in the country with a bunch of redneck neighbors, which I love, and we're going to have some fireworks tonight, I'm sure. Despite whatever the local laws are, uh, the rednecks are always going to have fireworks. So uh, I'm hoping you're having an enjoyable 4th of July, and I hope you enjoy this episode. So what was the Declaration of Independence? Who wrote the Declaration of Independence? Well, on June 11th in 1776, uh, the Congress of the newly created or in the process of being created United States appointed a committee of five to draft a declaration. And this became the Declaration of Independence. And the Committee of Five consisted of John Adams of Massachusetts, Benjamin Franklin of Pennsylvania, Thomas Jefferson of Virginia, Robert R. Livingston of New York, and Roger Sherman of Connecticut. The committee took no minutes, so there is some uncertainty about how the drafting process proceeded. Contrary accounts were written many years later by Jefferson and Adams, too many years to be regarded as entirely reliable although their accounts are frequently cited. This is from an article on Wikipedia about the drafting of the Declaration of Independence. It's very interesting. has a lot of interesting information. Um, 
as with all Wikipedia articles, you kind of have to take it uh, here or there with a grain of salt or with a bit uh, further research. But it's well worth looking at. It's well worth reading. A lot of good information there. So the declaration was written by these five men where they were uh, attempting to put together uh, the founding principles of the union and the reason that they had come to the decision that they had to rebel against the crown. So as we all know, America was a British colony. All Americans were British subjects. And the writing and more importantly, the signing of this Declaration of Independence was an open declaration of treason against the crown. Uh, there was a beautiful um, article posted today by my friend Paul Reyna on Facebook about uh, what became of the people who, uh, the, the original people who signed a lot of these founding documents. Uh, and it's quite tragic. Many of them were arrested. Many of them were tortured and killed. Their families imprisoned and killed. Their homes burned. Their, their lives lost in Revolutionary War. Their children's lives lost in Revolutionary War. Um, this was a serious thing. If you can imagine today, if people came together and decided that it was time to openly rebel against the government and created a document and you signed your name publicly to that document, think about the weight that would hold. The men who came together to sign this document were literally pledging um, their lives and their fortune and in many instances the lives of their family to this idea of freedom and independence um, uh, and creating a new form of government uh, on the planet. I think this is something else, something else that's really interesting to think about, about the founding of the United States particularly from an esoteric principle. And we're going to talk about this in some future episodes, some of the deeper esoteric ideas, some of the stuff from, from people like Francis Bacon and other places that um, Thomas Paine and, and people like that, that the founders were drawing on to create this new thing, the United States of America. But it's important uh, when we think about the crimes at the founding of this country to also um, balance that with thinking about what a profound and unique thing is being talked about in this declaration. There was no other government or form of governing people on the planet at the time that was attempting to do what the founders of this country were doing. So with that short introduction, we're just going to go right into it. I'm going to read the declaration. I'm going to read the whole thing, including the reasons that they rebelled. Um, some of them seem strange to the modern reader. Some of them might not even make sense to the modern reader. But I think it's important uh, to hear the whole document. And uh, quite frankly, I, I see it. Um, one of my Masonic brothers was mentioning to me that every year on the 4th of July, he reads the Declaration of Independence. And that really struck me as a profound uh, spiritual practice to engage in. And so I want to do that with you folks here today. Read this uh, together. I can read it. You can listen. And we can have this experience of of hearing these words and thinking about what they mean um, to our current lives today. So let's just get right into it. In Congress, July 4th, 1776, the unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America. 
When, in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitled them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence indeed will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes, and accordingly all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations, pursuing invariably the same object, evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty, to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Such has been the patient sufferance of these colonies, and such is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government. The history of the present King of Britain is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations, all having in direct object the establishment of an absolute tyranny over these states. To prove this, let facts be submitted to a candid world. He has refused his assent to laws, the most wholesome and necessary for the public good. He has forbidden his governors to pass laws of immediate and pressing importance unless suspended in their operation till his assent should be obtained, and when so suspended, he is utterly neglected to attend to them. He has refused to pass other laws for the accommodation of large districts of people unless those peoples would relinquish the right of representation in the legislature, a right inestimable to them and formidable to tyrants only. He has called together legislative bodies at places unusual, uncomfortable, and distant from the depository of their public records for the sole purpose of fatiguing them into compliance with his measures. He has dissolved representative houses repeatedly for opposing with manly firmness his invasions on the rights of the people. He has refused for a long time after such disillusions to cause others to be elected, whereby the legislative powers, incapable of annihilation, have returned to the people at large for their exercise, the state remaining in the meantime exposed to all the dangers of invasion from without and convulsions from within. He has endeavored to prevent the population of these states 
for that purpose obstructing the laws for naturalization of foreigners, refusing to pass others to encourage their migration hither, and raising the conditions of new appropriations of lands. He has obstructed the administration of justice by refusing his assent to laws for establishing judiciary powers. He has made judges dependent on his will alone for the tenure of their offices and the amount and payment of their salaries. He has erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance. He has kept among us in times of peace standing armies without the consent of our legislatures. He has effected to render the military independent of and superior to the civil power. He has combined with others to subject us to a jurisdiction foreign to our constitution and unacknowledged by our laws, giving his assent to their acts of pretended legislation, for quartering large bodies of armed troops among us, for protecting them by a mock trial from punishment for any murders which they should commit on the inhabitants of these states, for cutting off our trade with all parts of the world, for imposing taxes on us without consent, for depriving us in many cases of the benefits of trial by jury, for transporting us beyond seas to be tried for pretended offenses, for abolishing the free system of English laws in a neighboring province, establishing therein an arbitrary government and enlarging its boundaries so as to render it at once an example and fit instrument for introducing the same absolute rule into these colonies, for taking away our charters, abolishing our most valuable laws, and altering fundamentally the forms of our governments for suspending our own legislatures and declaring themselves invested with power to legislate for us in all cases whatsoever. He has abdicated government here by declaring us out of his protection and waging war against us. He has plundered our seas, ravaged our coasts, burnt our towns, and destroyed the lives of our people. He is at this time transporting large armies of foreign mercenaries to complete the works of death, desolation, and tyranny, already begun with circumstances of cruelty and perfidy scarcely paralleled in the most barbarous ages, and totally unworthy the head of a civilized nation. He has constrained our fellow citizens taken captive on the high seas to bear arms against their country, to become the executioners of their friends and brethren, or to fall themselves by their hands. He has excited domestic insurrections among us and has endeavored to bring on the inhabitants of our frontiers, the merciless Indian savages whose known rule of warfare is an undistinguished destruction of all ages, sexes, and conditions. In every stage of these oppressions, we have petitioned for redress in the most humble terms. Our repeated petitions have been answered only by repeated injury. A prince whose character is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant is unfit to be the ruler of a free people. Nor have we been wanting in attentions to our British brethren. We have warned them from time to time of attempts by their legislature to extend an unwarranted jurisdiction over us. We have reminded them of the circumstances of our immigration and settlement here. We have appealed to their native justice and magnanimity 
and we have conjured them by the ties of our common kindred to disavow these usurpations, which would inevitably interrupt our connections and correspondence. They too have been deaf to the voice of justice and consanguinity. We must therefore acquiesce in the necessity which denounces our separation and hold them as we hold the rest of mankind, enemies in war, in peace, friends. We, therefore, the representatives of the United States of America in general Congress, assembled, appealing to the supreme judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions, do in the name and by the authority of the good people of these colonies, solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown, and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved, and that as free and independent states they have full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and to do all other acts and things which independent states may of right do. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. And that, friends, is the Declaration of Independence. These brave men, our forefathers, the founding fathers of this republic, drafted this document and signed it on this day in 1776, pledging themselves to create a government and a nation that holds these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That's a profound statement. As we sit in 2020, seeing mass protests and disruptions on our streets, seeing riots, seeing violence, suffering amidst a pandemic, suffering amidst an upheaval of race consciousness. And I think that that is something that is happening. I think that uh, a very unfortunate aspect of the capital letter BLM, Black Lives Matter movement, and the mainstreaming of critical race theory and other postmodernist ideas, we are getting far away from this idea that all people are created equal and that we are all endowed by the creator with unalienable rights. And that the purpose of government is not to grant rights but to protect rights that have been granted by God. And I think that today, the 4th of July, in the year 2020, those of us who are 
interested in seeing our republic live up to these profound and revolutionary ideals. That it's important that we meditate on these concepts, that we attempt to enact these concepts and ideals in our daily life amongst our fellow citizens, and that we defend these core philosophic principles from the onslaught that they are suffering at from the far right and the far left. I've hesitated for a long time to use these words, but I'm beginning to feel like revolution is necessary. But the revolution that is necessary is a return to these hermetic and Rosicrucian values of liberty, equality, and fraternity, of the divine, immortal nature, the sacred flame that is housed in the body of every human being, irrespective of race, irrespective of gender, irrespective of country. And that the ways in which America has fallen short are the ways in which we have failed to live up to these values. The values at the founding of our republic are not the problem. Yes, they were written and fought for and founded by imperfect men. Men who did things and believed things that today we would all find abhorrent. But regardless of this, a truth poured forth from their mouths from their pens onto paper and documents that are passed down to us today that are capital T truth and that we need to set our compasses by. It needs to be the true north in which we navigate our lives and the destiny of our nation. And so I'd ask you today in your prayer and meditation to pray for our land, our leaders, the institutions and people of our nation, that we might be re-inspired by these inspiring documents and that we might continue the work of creating this hermetic Rosicrucian republic on earth. Hey folks, this is a epilogue to episode 15. I mentioned in the main body of the episode a post from my friend Paul Edward Reyna about the price that the signers of the Declaration paid. And I just wanted to read you this short piece. And this piece doesn't have one particular author. It was compiled uh, by different people and been shared around on social media. It's called The Price They Paid. Uh, and I just, I just think it's important to hear this. When we hear the words of the Declaration of Independence and we hear that these people signed their names to it, I think we can easily, in our safe, comfortable, modern times, um, forget what a profound act of courage this was. So here's the piece. It's called The Price They Paid. Have you ever wondered what happened to the 56 men who signed the Declaration of Independence? What fate befell them for daring to put their names to that document? 
Five signers were captured by the British as traitors and tortured before they die. Twelve had their homes ransacked and burned. Two lost their sons serving in the Revolutionary Army. Another had two sons captured. Nine of the 56 fought and died from wounds or hardships of the Revolutionary War. They signed and they pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. What kind of men were they? Twenty-four were lawyers and jurists. Eleven were merchants. Nine were farmers and large plantation owners. Men of means, well-educated. But they signed the Declaration of Independence knowing full well that the penalty would be death if they were captured. Carter Braxton of Virginia, a wealthy planter and trader, saw his ships swept from the seas by the British Navy. He sold his homes and properties to pay his debts and died in rags. Thomas McKean was so hounded by the British that he was forced to move his family almost constantly. He served in the Congress without pay, and his family was kept in hiding. His possessions were taken from him, and poverty was his reward. Vandals or soldiers looted the properties of Dillery, Hall, Clymer, Walton, Gwinnett, Hayward, Rutledge, and Middleton. At the Battle of Yorktown, Thomas Nelson Jr. noted that the British General Cornwallis had taken over the Nelson home for his headquarters. He quietly urged General George Washington to open fire. The home was destroyed, and Nelson died bankrupt. Francis Lewis had his home and properties destroyed. The enemy jailed his wife, and she died within a few months. John Hart was driven from his wife's bedside as she was dying. Their 13 children fled for their lives. His fields and his gristmill were laid to waste. For more than a year, he lived in forests and caves, returning home to find his wife dead and his children vanished. A few weeks later, he died from exhaustion and a broken heart. Norris and Livingston suffered similar fates. Such were the stories and sacrifices of the American Revolution. These were not wild-eyed, rabble-rousing ruffians. They were soft-spoken men of means and education. They had security, but they valued liberty more. Standing tall and straight and unwavering, they pledged, quote, for the support of this declaration with firm reliance on the protection of the divine province, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor, unquote. They gave you and me a free and independent America. The history books never told you a lot about what happened in the Revolutionary War. We didn't fight just the British. We were British subjects at that time, and we fought our own government. Some of us take these liberties so much for granted, but we shouldn't. So take a few minutes while enjoying your 4th of July holiday and silently thank these patriots. It's not much to ask for the price they paid. Remember, freedom is never free. All right, friends, that's episode 15 of Modern Gnostic. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, I encourage you to subscribe wherever you listen. Uh, if you get some value out of the podcast, the best thing you can do is share it. I'm interested in trying to expand the listenership of the podcast, and anything you can do to help would be greatly appreciated. And as always, if you have comments, 
If there's things you want to talk about, if there's things you disagree about, you can reach out to me on social media. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram. And the Modern Gnostic Podcast also has a Facebook page. I encourage you to reach out. I always like having dialogue. I like having good um, uh, brotherly or sisterly debate. Uh, and I'm open to discussing these ideas, expanding my understanding, expanding your understanding, and growing together. So I hope you have a wonderful and blessed 4th of July. I hope you and your family are finding ways to navigate the chaos of these modern times in a way that makes you stronger and brings you closer to the source of all divinity and the divinity that is within yourself. And as always, may the blessings of the Holy Spirit Go with you and your family throughout this week and until we meet again.